Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So did you see this story about the the hacker who got a, got their hands on a hundred hundred million or something hundred million logins, eighty million logins, bunch of social security numbers? I had uh, I had heard of it, and then uh, I hadn't seen who it was or any of this stuff that that you just shared well, the, with me. The who the who is a little bit less relevant, but <laughs> we'll just say she uh, she used version control, which is good. <laughs> Using the GitHubs. <laughs> but generally, wild. generally posting your illegal hacking activity on GitHub is probably not the smartest. Not in your best interest. You really do have to. She claims that she's totally crazy and uh, needs to get locked up and stuff. And, well, you know what? That's, I mean, a, that's a way to do it. I mean, that that is an aggressive way to do that. But I was just wondering, you know, what if, if we ever committed crimes, how committed are we to version control? Are we going to... We we ought to be as committed as we possibly can. I mean, we are borderline all the time with some of our scraping. Well, I mean, we're just running afoul of company policies. I think <laughs> more than more than anything else. Uh, that's fair. So I sent you a text message on Saturday about um, a potential topic that we should have on the podcast, which was. Mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer and why he sucks just because he might he'd probably listen to it if we posted it and then what does he do he he gets into the news full-on antics did he he got a fine right did he get a fine or did he just have to apologize uh I'm sh- I would assume that he's he's gotten a fine by now I mean I've been there where you do something stupid like that and you immediately realize like that you blew off steam and that that was dumb. What do you think about that throw, though? Do you think there's Statcast data on it? <laughs> I, I I wonder. <laughs> how hard do you How hard do you think he threw it? That's a good question. What's your estimate? I don't know. I mean, not that hard. Not that hard. What's a long angle? <laughs> you probably could uh, probably could push his velocity up a little higher. Yeah, that really does show that. I mean, but that's my solid know. Trevor Bauer. That's my solid Trevor Bauer dig. Let's you know. Let's look forward to this this Trevor. Trevor Bauer sucks podcast. I mean, Twins play them ten more times this season, I think. So that's like it's gotta be like two Trevor Bauer appearances. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Doesn't someone someone on the team owns him? Is it our our buddy, our German buddy, Max Kepler homers in fifth straight at bat against Trevor Bauer? That was July fourteenth. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. This week on the pod, we are starting yet another semi-long-term project, <laughs> thinking about production in a team setting, and we're talking about the first few steps that we took in this. First of all, just gathering some metrics, trying to understand what sort of data is out there and what we can play around with. Then in the second half, we'll do a little bit of a case study, looking at the 2018 Red Sox versus the 2019 Red Sox, and thinking about production predictions. 
So here we go. All right, we want to try and get a sense of production in a team context for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Production, I mean, you mean offensive production? Well, I, I mean, I, I do mean offensive production in terms of this, but I would love to extend this to defensive production some way. And I mean, my vision is basically this is this is still an outgrowth of the prediction models that we've been doing. I would like to be able to do a little bit better in our predictions based on the for making predictions for an individual guy based on what's happening around him on a team. Okay. What do you want to do it for? You were the one you were the one who suggested this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've talked about in the past that we want to understand trade deadline is coming up. We okay. want to understand early as possible what a trade for a player could mean, whether that mean that we get out from under a player that's that's um, been traded to a bad team or whether, you know, a trade, um, you know, like J.D. Martinez getting traded yeah. to um, Arizona, whether it's going to unleash something in the second half. So I, I was thinking... We've talked about this a lot in a couple of contexts lately, batting order, uh, et cetera, where mm. it's like, well, we need to, we would like to know a little bit of team context. And um, I think that understanding a little bit of team context could, could go a long way and that we have a whole lot of data science to do on that huh. other than saying Coors Field, Red Sox and Yankees hit, hit bombs and... Uh, San Diego is a pitcher's park, which isn't even true anymore. <laughs> which isn't even true anymore. That's right. That Nobody true. strikes. You don't strike out as much in Atlanta anymore. It's true. So uh, this got me thinking because we. this is sort of a set of metrics that we don't really look at. We look at individual players yep. a lot, and we treat them as completely distinct entities. And yep. that's almost certain. I mean, it's not the right way to do it. We know that on some level... It's not the right way to do it. The question is, is it a first-order effect? Is it a second-order effect? Is it a third-order? Um, and the only handle, I guess the main handle that people throw out in terms of talking about team quality is run differential. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's such a big deal that you know ESPN puts it in their main standings page, right, and lets you sort by it and mm-hmm. say, like, these are the best teams. But that doesn't, that to me is not, that doesn't tell you what's going to happen in fantasy, except for maybe if you were trying to predict whether a pitcher was going to get wins. Right. Oftentimes, key metrics like that actually are more used for disproving the null hypothesis. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So I thought, okay, well, how can we try and make metrics that that improve on run differential in term in a fantasy baseball sense? And I, you know, just, let's keep it as simple as possible. Let's actually just look at the total number of runs that a team scores. Okay. And that's like, you know, well, first of all, you know that the runs scored and the RBIs are modulo. A couple weird effects are the same. Similar. Yeah. Very similar. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're really strongly correlated, of course. <laughs> so, so basically what I thought we'd do is try and make predictions for runs and RBIs based on team quality. Okay. I sent you I sent you a figure that you picked apart and then I didn't bother to change. So here's what we have. Got it. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I looked at the the mean, the average number of runs scored by a team in a game versus the standard deviation of all of the runs scored per game. 
So, and I did this for 2018 because I'm actually going to try this thing called model validation from now on. <laughs> yeah. Where I... Empty promise number 10,012. So you're, you have the standard deviation of run scored as a function of the mean or median of run scored by the team. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I there's and then I, I I tried to put a model on here, which was just saying random noise. So this isn't a fit or anything. This is yeah. saying, okay, what if all the runs were just totally randomly randomly uh-huh. scored? There's no correlation between the runs. Here's roughly what you'd expect for the signal, okay. and it clearly doesn't follow that. So that no. says that immediately says something interesting to me, which something is that is happening. okay, there's big time correlated effects leading to this. Yes. Right, exactly. Yeah, you could. We could talk way more on that, but that that's a very interesting point. That these are not. There's not a linear relationship between these two. Does mean that something else is happening that we should suss out. Yes, and so I actually have a question for you. I was oh thinking about this yesterday. In a fantasy context, you just got this plot blind. What What's the best corner to be on this? Is it the best corner? Right, I think is. High average runs, low sigma runs? Yeah, of course. Is that right? Yeah. But but is that the best for fantasy, or is it better to be just is it better to just maximize the average runs scored and sigma be damned? I see um in these are your twenty eighteen plot. That Yankees team is is one that you should focus on. Of course it is, because yep. it's a, it's one of the highest averages. But I would not want to focus on the athletics. I think the more evocative example would be the 2018 Nationals, right? So the 2018 Nationals scored a decent number of runs, mm-hmm. like the sixth or seventh most on average. But their standard deviation is massive. And you, you can think about that, like, think about how disappointing their season was in terms of offensive production, where you thought they were going to do really well, and then they kind of bounced all over the place. And that's basically what you're seeing in this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, every single time that who was the, is it Strasburg who got screwed with? Like, you yeah, know, there's yes. always that one starter who's like, well, they just don't produce runs for David Price, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, well, we actually want to look at this on an individual basis, and the way that I that I decided on doing this, and this is based, this underpins all the rest of the decisions, was okay. to rank order hitters on their team. So, for instance, I took, I just looked at, okay, in 2018, who had the most runs mm-hmm. on any given team? Who had the second most runs? Who had the third most? And then I plotted these curves. You started at zero. So I started at zero. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we're doing Python this in Python. Python. So, I, uh, so the zeroth person, whoever, whoever was best, <laughs> sets the level. And so, so then I, my vision was, okay, well, it's going to really spread out by total runs scored. You'll see that these lines basically follow in parallel and it's going to be clear and beautiful. And then, of course, what actually happened is there's just like a rat's nest of, of lines going on here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It, all you can really see is the top and the bottom of the distribution. Though. That... Yeah, you can, you can see that it roughly follows the distribution you expect in the sense that the Giants are at the very, the Giants, the Orioles, the Padres, the Blue Jays are at the very bottom. And you've got the Red Sox and the Rockies and the Brewers at the top, and the Yankees, yeah, there too. So and the Indians actually. So you have you have all these teams 
you have you you have basically what you expect from top to bottom, but it's a real mess. So I then rapidly pivoted, which was <laughs> well, it turns out that you own you know by just basic logic, we probably only want the top six guys on any given MLB team. Okay. Because that gives you a pool of 180 players. And so even in a 15-team league, that's 12 guys to go around for every fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, that's basically what you want. That's basically kind of what you think you want to own. But it turns out that they're really clustered in uh, individual teams. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of interesting. That's interesting in itself. Yeah, that, that means that you're going to yes. have more Red Sox, Yankees, and um, Cardinals, I guess. Rockies, Red Sox, Yankees, and, and, and yeah, Rockies exactly. owned then um, a top six of any bottom right. dollar. Yeah, of the Giants. I mean, the, the sixth the sixth guy on the – okay, the, the sixth guy on the Giants last year, whose name I don't know because I erased them all, is scored fewer than 30 runs. I mean that's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> you're, not gonna, really you're not going to own that guy. Sixth best. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's partly due to who ended up on the team at the end of the year. That's exactly right. You're not you're not going to own that guy. Is, is basically the bottom line. But I sort of ran with this idea a little bit more, and I asked, okay, so here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to combine the two things that that we were just talking about, which was the mean number of runs that your team scores over the course of the season, and the individual runs or individual RBIs. And I focused on runs and RBIs. So I said, okay, well, let's plot, let's do a regression analysis on the top run getter for each team versus the mean number of team runs and see what the correlation, see what the correlation or the relationship looks like there. And so you can, you can read directly off this. So let's, let's say we're talking about the guy who got the fifth most runs on a team that scores an average of five runs, that's better. They're going to end up with more runs than <laughs> the guy who scores the most runs on a team that only scores four runs per game. Which is like, which is okay. just mind blowing. Wow. Mind blowing. <laughs> so. Wait, it's just that just that one. Well, I guess it's just one average. What's the the spread of the um, average runs per game? Uh, the spread of the average runs per game is like basically three point five runs per game to five point five runs per game. Okay. So the difference between a team that scores four runs per game and five runs per game is that <laughs> you basically don't want to own the guy if if there's a guy available in the first six guys on the on the team that scores five runs per game. You want to own them before you own the first guy on yeah. the other team. That is wild. And I have case studies that actually completely bear that out. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Well, that tells you, yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sometimes we're willing to engage in a little bit of conspiracy theorizing. Yeah, you're you're not a professional baseball player, but that's. <laughs> I mean, I guess you know. I guess it's just a situation where you're like, oh, do you do you always have a camera on you when you're at your job? Like, no, but he does. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I do. I don't know who's watching me through the camera, but um, I don't know. It's on GitHub, I'm sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Someone in the FBI is is probably watching me. 
All right, so keeping in mind that we are looking for a way to synthesize this all together and actually make some progress for our fantasy teams. Okay, there we go. I have a case study for you, <laughs> which is okay. the 2018 Red Sox, and now we're forecasting forward into the 2019 Red Sox. So if you make this run scored versus median mean run scored versus standard deviation run scored for 2019. The bottom line is Red Sox and Yankees are in the same configurations that they were last year, which I find really interesting. That it's That's pretty wild. They both still score a ton of runs, <laughs> but they the Yankees are consistent and the Red Sox are all over the place. The Red Sox are all over the place to the point where their median number of runs is higher than their mean number of runs this year. Which is, what? which is, that is backwards. You should not have that distribution. That shouldn't happen. Yeah, because that means there are a couple of, yeah, a couple of, they got blanked a couple of times. And that's yeah, so really that, I, I actually find, I find that even more worrisome in terms of just like a, an overall Red Sox thing. And that kind of tells you what you already knew, right, is that this year's Red Sox are not as good as last year's Red Sox. Right, they have a in lot a more potential. Sense. They have a lot more potential to go on every given on any given day. Yeah, uh, basically the Red Sox again are on pace to score an absurd number of runs. And if you want to put some names on the rank orders from 2018 last year, they had Mookie Betts with 129, JD Martinez 111, Ben Intendi 103. They had three guys over 100 runs. So that is just insane. Then their fourth guy is JBJ with 76, Bogart 72, Devers 59, Devers 59, Moreland 57. That's a, I mean, Mitch Moreland was an ownable fantasy asset last year. Yep. And this kind of tells you why, right? Because he's on, he's on this team. It tells you where team. he ranks relatively. All right, so 2019 rank order, you've got Betts, Devers has jumped way up, Bogart's then the ones that I'm really interested in are the four, five, and six guys because I really want to answer the question, do you want to own them more than the top guys on other teams? So we've got J.D. Martinez at 61 runs so far. Andrew Benintendi at 55 runs. Christian Vasquez at 45 runs. Then That's interestingly, wild. you have Michael Chavis and J.B.J., who one could argue, I would basically argue that on this list, naively I would say Christian Vasquez is where you want to cut who you own. Right, though Javis is, yeah, If it, that's sort of like the opportunity kind of, late season opportunity kind of thing. Well, one might argue, based on the analysis that we just did, that Javis could be an, an ownable guy. Oh, no, he definitely you, is. I think that just watching him where they're slotting him in lately has been... Ooh, well, so, well we, we have the numbers to back it up now. So the model ahead. says, the model that we talked about in the first half says... That we want 2019 Vasquez or Benintendi more than we want the top run scorer on three different teams. The White Sox, the Tigers, and the Marlins. So let's check based on their runs totals this year. <laughs> their average runs this year. Which are, let me just say, atrocious. All right, The Tigers are scoring 3.55 runs per game on average. Ooh. Oh, come on, Tigers. Wow, they are really at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> well, they're... They're just barely meeting, leading the Marlins. But the sad thing about the Tigers is that they are consistently not scoring very, very many runs. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's good to know. 
<laughs> their standard deviation is low. And let me just tell you, their top run score is Castellanos with a total of 57, which puts him between the Red Sox fourth and fifth guys. Who Castellanos, who recently said that their ballpark was a joke because it was hard yes. to hit home runs out of well, center field. He's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And Good then thing I have Nico Goodrum on my uh, TGFBI team. Yeah, so this, I mean, that's why I, ta- that's why I tailored this to TGFBI, right? Because this would basically argue that you should take Michael Chavis over Nico Goodrum in TGFBI. I don't think that I have that option, but that's... I mean, I don't think you have that option either. But it, would, it also almost argues that you should take JBJ over Nico Goodrum. Yeah, that's a little more surprising. But... So I will say that the White Sox are the White Sox are far and away the the third worst team in the sense that the Marlins and Tigers are way worse at scoring runs. So the Marlins, their top run getter is Brian Anderson with forty three so far, and then Brian, we go Rojas Nick. with forty one. Like how? I mean, that's that's so bad. <laughs> it's, yeah, they're uh, yeah, it's they're wild. leading they're leading run getter. Has less, has fewer runs than the seventh guy on the Red Sox. <laughs> That's just yeah. There's the evidence that you need. So in terms of run production, I mean, it says like no, make sure all seven of these Red Sox are off the board before you take Brian Anderson. <laughs> if you want, yeah, runs, and it probably they'll end well, up being the same st- thing. They're strongly RBIs. correlated for RBIs as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a little bit. I mean, I'll give you a little bit, a little bit on the White Sox. So the leading run getter is Lurie Garcia. My guy. Perpetual yeah. uh <laughs> flatulent fella. Sure. But he's below the third run getter on the Red Sox. And he's, you know, within spitting distance of the fourth run getter. And then Yoan Mancata, who's the second guy on the White Sox with fifty eight runs, is below, you know, slotted into that same between JD Martinez and Andrew Benatendi. Yeah. You're saying Nico, well, Nico Goodrum and Brian Anderson Anderson should be owned after Christian Vasquez, a catcher. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's partly why I'm dancing around Vasquez because he has unique value. I mean, right, 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 right. If nothing else, this should. But tell if you, were, you that this was utility position, is what you're saying, which is wild. Yeah. And if nothing, not wrong. I mean, if nothing else, this is telling you that you should be you should always be taking the catcher on the team with the most runs scored because they're at least going to be up there. It's it's a huge yep, it's a huge piece that we uh, should be predicting in the preseason. Yeah, that's actually that's a really good point. So maybe the thing. So I think I was thinking about this like okay, maybe the way to put this to use is like a small modulo factor for the team that they're that they're surrounding that they're being surrounded with. So. Basically, after we make all the predictions, portion them out into teams and make sure that the teams are coming out in roughly the order that we expect, or maybe apply a small adjustment on a team-by-team basis. On the ranking or on the to- the predictions? On the per- total predictions. Okay. So would that be part of the model calibration phase of things? That we'd, we'd have a, a feedback loop? It would go boom in here. We'd have... Essentially, we take the data, we shove it into a secondary model. That model would push things back out. It would adjust and then back in. Feedback loop until we calibrate. Yeah. I think that about brings us to the review session. 
Ramon Lariano. Well said. Uh, on pace, how about this? Somebody who's on pace for 162 games. Yeah, but he just missed a game. Well, okay, he's no longer on pace for 162 games. He's he's near as so close it doesn't near so close as it doesn't matter currently. 101 runs, 31 home runs, 87 RBIs, 18 stolen bases, and a 283 average. That is a good stat line. I think I'm wrong. He didn't miss a game. He just didn't start a game. He has appeared in. Has he appeared in every single game this year? Yes. That is just crazy. You can't can't get to on pace for 162 Uh-oh. without appearing in every game, my friend. Right. It was, uh, yeah, Ramon Laureano getting the day off on Sunday. And then if you look at the game log. He's well in it. <laughs> he got one at bat. <laughs> Struck out, but okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in just about, yeah, I mean, he's. He's there, and this stat line is freaking good. It's a it's a full stat line. Yeah, I mean, for for somebody, we, I don't I don't think we said that he plays on the A's yet. <laughs> but, He's a, he plays oftentimes center field for the A's. Yeah, we are on a, we're on a firm run of center fielders here. But he, uh, <laughs> let's see if we can keep it going. I he came out of nowhere for me personally this year. One hundred percent agree. I, what, what is his ownership at? It's got to be high. Uh, he's in the 90s, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, TGFBI, I think he's at 100%. He looks legit. I mean, I, I think we both watched the Saturday game. Is that right? I did, yeah. I mean, he managed to fill up the stat sheet on that day. I mean, he, he okay, he, he walked. Then he, oh no, sorry. He grounded out. He hit a double. And then he homered. And he barked at the opposing pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Is that was that your favorite part? All five foot seven of him. I love that CBS lists him as five eleven, two hundred pounds. There's no way in heck he had he'd have to be wearing like lifts, three to four inch lifts. lifts to how be able to do uh, how that. tall is Adrian Sampson? T- taller than him. That would be well. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ramon Laureano seems like the type of guy who plays with uh, quite a bit of energy. I don't know. This came out of nowhere, so is he going to keep it up for future years? That's maybe the relevant question. I don't know. I, yeah, those the A's players that all of a sudden come out of nowhere and then produce and then produce for a couple of years. Uh, he's, I mean, I Josh Donaldson comes to mind. Totally different player, totally different position, yeah. but also that kind of spit fiery. Like I ended up in Oakland somehow and like showed up on the scene. Here I am. I I would at the end of the season. I would love to own him if if I was in a keeper league. That's great. I mean, especially those stolen bases, just having those couple yes. of stolen bases. Yes. That potential that maybe next year you could be at 20. I mean, just round that number right up to 20, right? I think that yeah, sure. Pace. I mean, this this is this is a extremely if he really does play 162 games. This is an extremely legit five-tool player. I mean, because mm-hmm. he's not hurting you in average, which is where he which is where he bests most of the other athletics and he steals bases. Right, and he was batting number five in the game. He's batting number five, and I don't, I don't know why they're gonna leave him out of the top four. I, I think that he's gonna yeah, only move up question. in the in the batting order, which is another piece of potential that he's he's gonna have, and that's a pretty good offense. I'm in. I'm in. All right, we're we agree. Sell the farm. Oof! Whoa! That's... Sell the farm for Ramon Laureano. Okay, that's a that's a bridge further than I'm willing to go, but he's gonna pick it up. 
Who are we doing this week? Well, we we just talked about him. Should we do some uh... Laurie Garcia? <laughs> yeah, obviously. I got a positive response when I floated that trial balloon earlier. Love it. No, so who do you want? What's wrong with Laurie Garcia? You do want to do Laurie Garcia? Yeah, of course I want to do Laurie Garcia. <laughs> okay. All right, let's give it a try. All right. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.